Oh, church, thankful to be here. You're looking good. I just want to say, man, 94 years old. You need to teach me your secret, sir. I need to know. What's your secret? Following Jesus. Amen. Well, God bless you, sir. Thank you. You inspired me this morning. And God bless you all. Thank you for those, again, watching online. Thank you for being here. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Kings chapter 4, and I'm going to get there in just a moment. Yes, I'm from down south. I'm from Houston. And uh, yes, thank you. One woo. Thank you so much. Thankful to be up here in Dallas. So beautiful. It's so clean. So pretty. And so um, I'm so glad to be here. The only bad thing is, is, you know, I'm a Texans fan. And so <laughs> I just I lost the whole room. Um, but it's okay. I heard that the Cowboys, they just got added to the Big 12. So that's exciting. <laughs> all right. How, I, listen, my eldership at my church, they're all Cowboys. Actually, it's a double doozy. They're Cowboys fans and Steelers fans, which is just, oh, geez. Yeah, they're everywhere. They're, man, we'll pray for you who just wooed. We're going to pray for you at the end to be healed in Jesus' name. I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, I'm so thankful to be here again. Yeah, we're about 20 minutes south of Houston. And uh, me and my wife, uh, Kate, we pastor a great church called City Mark. And so uh, this is, uh, I'm going to introduce you to my family real quick. This is Kate. There she is. She's beautiful. And uh, she knows how to preach. She can bring the house down. And so I'm thankful to be with her. We have three children. My oldest name is Miles. And uh, Miles is a stud. Look at that guy. And uh, he's just starting sixth grade. And uh, he's just a stud. And then my second kid, he's 10 years old. He's going into uh, fourth grade. His name is Judah. And uh, he's got four girlfriends already, four. And so pray for him. Uh, and then uh, we have our little daughter, Georgia. I think you've got a picture. Yes. And uh, there's Georgia with our fifth child, Reggie the Pug. Reggie the Pug. Actually, Pastor Joel inspired us to get a pug. We came last time and met Walter White. Uh, his pug, and uh, and we were inspired greatly to get Reggie, and so uh, so I'm thankful to be here. Are you thankful? We're looking at today, starting that series when God is first. When God is first, and what I've learned in my life is God can do anything. Amen. He not, nothing is impossible for Him, but I found there are things that God cannot do. Three things that God cannot do. Number one, he cannot lie. He cannot lie. Number two, he cannot lose. And number three, he cannot be second. He cannot be second. And so I want to dive into this idea today for a couple of moments. Second Kings, this is Old Testament. We're reading a story of a miracle. Many of you have heard this story but hopefully it will illumine to you in a new way this morning. Let's read it together. Second Kings chapter four, verse one. It says, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, the prophet, saying, your servant, my husband, is dead, so she's a widow, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. Back in the day, if you owed a debt that you could not pay, they didn't just come to repo the house, repo the car, repo the assets. They came for your children. 
And they came to have, if you couldn't pay the debt, your children did. And they were slaves to the debtor. And so Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. I'm gonna talk to you today on the subject of the vision vessel. The vision vessel. Let me pray for you. Lord, we love you. Holy Spirit, I thank you for these people. Lord, I know that there are many things going on in this room. Many needs that are represented in this room. And Lord, I can't possibly begin to speak to all of those things. But I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are building this church. And I'm thankful that I don't have to preach this message. Holy Spirit, you be the voice within my voice today. Lord, I thank you that your word is alive, it's sharp, and it comes here to transform us. And so I ask, Lord, that we create an atmosphere, that we soften our hearts to you. Speak to us. Let us be changed and let us be different as we leave your presence today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen? The vision vessel. So in the day, if you couldn't pay your bills, we have this story, we have this picture of this woman, she owes this great debt, and the creditors are coming, and I found it interesting that the creditors come to enslave the next generation. And the world, as Pastor Joel said, is coming to enslave the next generation. You know, we as a church, we hear this all the time, that we're one generation away from extinction, and that is true. And the only thing between the creditors and the next generation being enslaved is the oil. The oil in God's word represents the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. And the only thing that can save this next generation, the only thing that can save America is the oil. And I love this, the answer, the prophet said, he asked her a question, he said, what is in your house? And we just think, oh, well, I don't really have much, I don't really have much, but what she had was the answer. That the answer was in her house, the answer is in this house, the answer is in the oil, the answer is in the anointing. What do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? It can bring a miracle or it can hinder a miracle. And she said, I have oil. I have this oil. And when we look at the story, oil wasn't the problem. The next thing that the prophet asked, he asked this simple question. He said, is there a vessel? If you want a miracle, go get something God can pour something into. 
And the woman, the widow, determined the magnitude of her miracle, not God. God said, hey, the oil is going to flow. I need you to get a vessel. Get as many vessels as possible. You determine the magnitude of that miracle. However many vessels you want to get, get 100, get 1,000, get 10,000. You determine how big you want this thing to be. I'm going to pour. You get the vessels. Heaven has an endless supply. The question is, can he have a vessel? As long as there's a vessel, the oil will keep flowing. Vessels are important. The oil is powerful. The oil is ready. The oil is being poured. But it gets hard when there's no vessel. Can you imagine going to the grocery store with no bag? You have the contents, and you need those contents. You're paying 50% extra for those contents. Hello. Right? I need a vessel. Sometimes people say, you know, out in the lobby, can you imagine? Man, I just need some hot coffee. And I were to come up with a big old thermos and just pour hot coffee all over your hands. And you just lick your fingers. And you would be like, what are you doing, you freak? What are you doing? I said, you said you wanted hot coffee. You said, yeah, I want coffee, but I need a cup. And so a part of having the contents is I need a vessel to pour the contents into. Can you imagine? Are there any good pizza places in Dallas? Seriously, there's none. See, now listen, I'm from, now I was originally raised in Columbus, Ohio. So I'm an Ohio State fan. OH? Oh, wow, nothing. And that usually happens. It hurts my feelings. Um, (laughs) Yeah, there's good pizza in the most. So there's no, like in Houston, there's no good pizza, like none. I don't understand what's going on. There's no good pizza. That's okay. The Lord has brought me to suffer in that way. It's fine. I try to suffer for a time. But um, can you imagine you order a hot, fresh pizza? You want it to be delivered? Can you imagine the delivery driver comes up and he's just holding that pizza in his hands? The pizza's oozing down his arm. And he's like, here's your pizza. You would ask one question. Where's the box? Where's the vessel? I was expecting the product to come in a vessel. Now the box, the pizza box, is only 39 cents but it takes on a different value because of the product that's on the inside of the box. It's not the box that gives value to the product. The product gives value to the box. As you can see, without a pizza on the inside of this box, I mean, this this, this pizza's, you know, without a pizza on the inside, it's just an oily, dirty, old box. 
Just 39 cents, whatever. But the value is about what's on the inside of the box. And what happens is, is we as people become vessels for the Holy Spirit. Romans 10, we pray the prayer of salvation. We confess Jesus is Lord of our lives. We confess with our mouth, believe in our heart, and the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us. The Bible says that we are the temple, the vessel of the Holy Spirit. And God, Joel says that God is pouring out his spirit on all flesh, that you're gonna dream dreams, you're gonna have visions, but you have to be a vessel that is open and willing. If I'm not open, if I'm not willing, then God is pouring and there's a lid and the oil just drips on the side. And none of God's goodness, God's kindness, God's supernatural power, God's provision, God's miracles, if it's not in you, it can be happening around you. But because I'm not a willing, open vessel, he's pouring, I'm closed, so I don't receive all of that. But when I open myself up to the power of God, the possibility of God, the healing of God, he's pouring and I receive all the goodness. I'm just a 39 cent. Come on, who were you before Jesus? Who, who were you before he poured and before you received? You have a past, you're messed up. See, see, without the contents that he pours on the inside of me, the Bible says that when I receive the Holy Spirit, I receive the mind of Christ. Isn't that so cool? That the mind, like I have my own thoughts, <laughs> I have my own ideas, but that doesn't really matter compared to his mind, his will, his thoughts, his ways. And when I open myself up, God pours and he gives me grace and a supernatural ability. Because without him, I'm jealous. Without the contents being poured into me, I'm greedy. I'm, I'm selfish. I'm, I'm really, honestly, let's just really put it this way, a man at his most bestial. I live for the moment. Feelings are my God. Whatever I feel, I just do because I was made that way. But when the Holy Spirit gets poured into me, what happens is, my life completely changes because he's poured into me. He's poured his spirit. God is saying, if you give me a vessel, I will give you my will, my oil, the anointing, the dream. He'll give you a vision for your life. He'll give you a vision for this house. Of course, we know that Jesus is the head of the church and Pastor Joel is your senior pastor and Jesus and Pastor Joel are doing some work to figure out what are the dreams for this house? What are the dreams for this place? Because God's plan A is the church. God doesn't have a plan B. His plan A is this place, this house. And we can watch the news all we want to and think that a politician is going to be our savior. But when it comes to the local church, this is the place where healing happens. This is the place where God's spirit is poured out. This is the place where young people get delivered from depression and suicidal thoughts. This is the place where we train up a child in the way that they should go and they go. This is the place where every Wednesday night, you know what Wednesday nights are? They're a vessel 
that we just say, Holy Spirit, we open up Wednesday night for you and young people are going to come and you're going to pour your spirit out on young people. And God said, hey, if you have a vessel, I'll pour. You open it up and every area of your life that has a lid on it, the Holy Spirit's not moving or flowing. And we're really good in certain areas of our life for taking the lid off and saying, pour into me, Lord. But what I've learned is you can be saved and not be walking out what it means to be a Christian. So you're saved. But some of us need to know that, okay, you have a place in heaven that's amazing, but God has things for you to do on this earth while you're here. It's called being a Christian. Jesus said, count the cost. If you're gonna be a Christian, you better count the cost because being a Christian means something. You're gonna have to stand for some things. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to stand boldly for some things. You're gonna have to know that you have a long line of men and women that have died for this gospel. Stood in the face of evil governments and evil people and, 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 and they died for this thing. Jesus taught us that we have to love the Lord our God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, and we have to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We have to serve other people. And I tell my church this too all the time. I'm done apologizing for Jesus. I'm done acting like Jesus is the drunk uncle at the wedding. Hey, hey, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry that Jesus is asking you to do this. He's mean. I, no, he's a king. And he is awesome. Hey, Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to you. You don't, you don't need to apologize for his standards. He has standards. And by the way, it's his standards. And what happens is when we read his word, we as people think, well, I'm gonna worship Jesus. I hear how Jesus wants to be worshiped, but I'm just gonna kind of worship him how I think he should be worshiped because that's in order and that's right and that's fair. No, the king determines the way in which he's worshiped. And when we read the Bible, Jesus has, hey, this is how you worship God. In fact, when you look in the Old Testament, God's like, this is how I want to be worshiped. This is how you do it. Back in the day, the presence of God was contained in something called the Ark of the Covenant. And you had to, you had to deal with the Ark of the Covenant in a very particular way. And what happened is, is one generation of people treated the Ark of the Covenant a particular way. David treated the Ark of the Covenant a particular way. But if you read in the Bible, there's a story where metaphorically speaking, they take the Ark of the Covenant and they put it in the back of a Chevy Silverado with bungee cords. That's fine, that's good, that's great. Well, that's not how God described how he wanted, he wanted to do it. That's not, it's not to a T, he described it. He'll be fine with it. What happened to those people? God killed them. So what happens is when we determine how we think God should be worshiped, not what he has said, then what happens is things in our life die. I'm not saying God's gonna kill you. I'm just saying be careful with some people fear man more than they fear God. And I stand in that place as a pastor where I know I'm gonna be judged double. So I'm very careful about what I teach people because I know that it's gonna be you personally that stands before God to give an account for your life. And what happens is people say, well, I had a, I had a praying Catholic mother, so I'm good. No, hold on. Your mom's not gonna be there with you when you stand before the Lord. You will. 
and you will have to give your own account for your life. And so I want to bring you to that place because I fear that moment. Now I'm like, I'm sitting around being afraid of God, but there's a reverence for the Lord. Yeah, I don't really care what people say or people think. I care about that day when I stand before him. And not about you, but I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. But it comes with conditions. I have to to hear well done, good and faithful servant. That means there are things that God has me do. And what happens is we get saved and what we do is we just say, well, pastor, I'm just, I'm just waiting to die. I'm just waiting to make it to heaven. I mean, this world's already gone. I'm just waiting. I already did my job. I already did it. Don't, don't you see? I've got the, the diamond platinum card where I don't have to do anything else. I've done enough serving. I've done enough giving. I've got the diamond platinum card, right? I don't have to do anything. God never has to ask me to step out in faith any longer. Did you know there's a dollar amount where God will not ask you to give anymore? You can reach that place. It's you get a diamond. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, as long as you still have breath in your lungs, Abraham was, was old, sir. I'm sorry. He was older than you. And God said, hey, go, Abraham, and I want you to go to a place I'll show. Abraham's like, I'm set. I'm good. Why are you doing this to me? God's like, go, and I'll show. Do it. Go, 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 go. I have more things for you to do. But we get caught up on, we think the world's already going to hell in a handbasket. However, we pray this prayer that Jesus told us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on Then why are you waiting to die to experience heaven? The church's job is to say, we're a vessel. Pour your spirit so that our city can experience heaven on earth. That, that's what we're here to do. Amen. We're here to give our time, our talent, and our treasure to God's house, to be a vessel, not, not to just wait going to heaven. We're here to be Christians and to worship the king how he wants to be worshiped. And when I'm just a vessel that just says, God, anything you want to do, he will pour. And the promise is, I'm going to get dreams, I'm going to get visions, and he can use me. And he can use me in a mighty way and in a great way. I'm just a vessel. You're just a vessel. Just a 39 cent box, but the contents of the box are very important. The content, this is just a building. This is just mortar. This is just paint. The contents of the box is what matters. The church isn't a building. The church is the people. You're the church. And he's pouring his spirit out. And the question is, are you worshiping him how he wants to be worshiped? Or is there a lid? Because Satan knows the power of the oil. He knows he's no match for the oil. That's why he goes after the vessel. That's why he goes after your mind. That's why he goes after your body and your health. That's why the enemy was watching as Jesus healed people, lepers, blind people, and they killed Jesus. They, they ripped that box to pieces. They ripped the box apart and they said, finally, I killed that vessel. Nothing can move. And they put that vessel into the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. I love that Jesus calls it the borrowed tomb. He didn't buy the tomb. He borrowed the tomb. 
And we are the body of Christ. He borrowed the tomb, but he bought you. And we are the box now. Peter and Paul are long gone. And there's us. And so he's pouring and God is looking to and fro. I need a vessel. I need a vessel. I need a vessel. McKinney's there. There's tons of souls there. There's tons of souls. I need a vessel. I need a church. I need a vessel. I need a church. I need people that get it. I need people that are really going to live this thing out. I need people that are just going to serve people, get over themselves so I can pour, soften their heart, and I can move. And so you, you got to open your heart and just say, Lord, whatever you want to do. And he's pouring, he's pouring. And the Holy Spirit says, can I find a vessel? The Bible says that we're chosen vessels. You're a chosen vessel. But we have issues when it comes to certain things. You know, in my church, in certain churches, you know, no one has an issue if the Lord wants to use your talent. Praise God, praise God, I get to sing. Oh, but you can't sing, but that's okay. <laughs> that offended some people, it's all right. Right, you, you, no one has an issue with God using your talent. Yay, you clap, stand, woo. Nobody really, sometimes people have a problem with using your time, I'm a busy person, whatever. Most people have time, but most people treasure, start talking about money, start talking about things. You're like, okay, hold up. Love it, love it, amazing, incredible, but let's just leave money out of this. Lord, just, just, just leave it out of this. But God does ask of us. He asks of our time, our talent, and our treasure. He asks us to be specifically tithers, which is 10% of all my increase because I worship him, the one who sustains me, the one who breathes life into me, the one who gives me my paycheck. My employer doesn't give me my paycheck. The Lord does. And 10% goes to the Lord. You know why? Because it's the first. It's the first. I don't pay my mortgage first. I don't pay uh, that debt first. I don't pay any of those things. When I receive my check, 10% gross goes to the Lord. Now, this is what happens. I start preaching about this. It's like doing dental surgery. You hear the drill. It's like, you hear the drill. It's starting to fire up. And you're like, oh, here we go. Here we go. Listen to me, if it feels like that to you, when you give to the Lord, this is what I tell everybody, don't give. Don't worry about it. I want you to have a revelation of generosity and the tithe. I, I, I worship God and I show him in every area of my life. You know how I show I worship God? God, I love you so much. I'm gonna serve these babies in the nursery. I'm gonna rock these babies because I just wanna serve families. I'll park a car. You know, I'll do a local outreach. Lord, I love you, and that's how I show you. I come, and I raise my hands up in worship, and I show Lord, this is how much I love you. And, and because I don't want the grip of greed to be on my life, I say, Lord, I worship you with my finances. And people, you know, it's so funny. People, they, you come into church, and they're like, here we go. Church just wants my money. And I always think to myself, you know, I've never walked out of Costco. And them not ask me, how would you like to pay for that? 
Costco wants, you know, I've never heard anybody say this. Costco, hey, come here, come here. Costco wants my money. I've never heard it. And what people say is like, oh, well, you know, I don't know what they do with that money. Did you know I've never walked into a Chick-fil-A and said, hey, I've given you $80 a month for Chick-fil-A. What are y'all doing with this money I give you? I just never done it. And then what do I get? What do I get from Chick-fil-A? A bowel movement. Let's just be real about it. And Pastor Joel, I hope, I hope this is okay. When I come into God's house, you know, I tell people all the time, people have this edge towards the Lord's house. I'm like, this isn't a meth lab. People are getting healed. Marriages are getting healed. Pe- people are getting blessed. Young people are finding the Lord. Like, like sorry, sorry that, that God asks of you to build his house in the city. Where else are kids gonna hear about Jesus? Where else are people gonna get filled with the Holy Ghost? Oh, in their classroom, God can move anywhere. Yeah, 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 that's, that's true. But God uses the church as the vehicle to bring heaven to earth. Hello. So he asks the tithe of you, and people are like, God just takes. He's taking, he's taking, he's taking. No, my friend, the cross is a plus sign. He's come to add to your life. He's coming to add because what happens is all of our trusts is not in him. It's not in him. Does anybody have any cash on them? I'm not taking your cash. Don't worry. Anybody got cash? Do you have it? Okay. Okay. Hold on a second. All right. Can you read this for me just really quick? Right at the top on this $20 bill. What does it say right here? In God we trust. On every dollar. On every dollar, it says, in America, in God we trust. Now, now the question is, which God? Which God? Which God? Like, like what happens is, is, is we... Jesus said, you know, you can't serve God or mammon. Mammon is actually not money. It's actually the God of money. Mammon is the God of money. So you're either going to serve the God of money. In other words, you're going to give your heart over to your bank account, your retirement account, the home you live in, the assets that you have, and you find security, rest, peace, miracles in that. See how that works out. Or I can take a portion of what's his anyway It's all his anyway, by the way. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You know what that means? That means he owns it all. And he's allowed you to rent his house. That's my house. I paid, that's his house. That's his house. Because he's God the father. How many of y'all know dad's got the money? Or mama's, I'm not. But what I'm saying is, it's funny in my home, what's funny is, my son has this running bank account that doesn't even exist in his mind. <laughs> Dad, now I've got $140, you know that. Grandma gave me 50, this is there. So-and-so gave me 20, I sold a Lego set. You know, there's another 20, but he's got $140. However, I'm the dad, I'm bankrolling this whole thing. 
I'm like, grandma's money got spent on that $900 bucket of popcorn at the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Did you forget that? Your, your account is, is, is a, a fantasy. It's funny, but you know what? We treat God that way too, don't we? This is, this is my account. This is my stuff. This is my, and God's like, oh, really? I'm the one that opened the doors for you. You didn't even see the doors I opened. Now, let me go even further. The doors I closed. The doors I closed. You lost that job. You lost that job. You had to lose that job because God had a better job. So he opened doors for you. You don't even know. And you're sitting back saying, this is all mine. This is whatever. No, 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 no. God's saying, I need a vessel to be open and willing to say, Lord, I, I don't care about any of these things. When I moved to Houston, before I moved to Houston, it was December 2020. The church was going through a lot. The pastor in Houston had had a moral failure. The church was down to 100 people. I was in Cincinnati. I'd worked with my pastor for 16 years. We built the church to 5,000 people. My youth ministry, we were running 800 students. Uh, we started a, 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 a um, college out of it. I hired my dad to be the dean of the college. There were 80 full-time students in it. We had hired every single young person. All of my best friends were there, my closest relationships. I lived in a pottery barn home for sure. It was 4,800 square foot. I had need of nothing. And the Lord said, I want you to take this church in Houston. I said, Lord, I have everything. I don't want to. And God challenged me. And if you ever think you outgrow this, you don't. And he said, am I first or not? He said, is this your best work? I said, God, this is my only work. This is the only job I've had for 16 years. And God said, I want you to leave this all as a tithe because it's your first and best and I'll bless Houston. And so I moved my 4,800 square foot home. I packed up a truck. There's still a truck in Kentucky full. And we moved into an apartment. And my kids are like, what are you doing? Who do you trust? I have to have this home. I have to have these things. Well, then your God is, is, is money. But I desire the hand of God to be on my life more than I desire any of those things. I don't need any of that. I don't want any of that. I want the hand of God to be on my family and my children. And God has to know. He's going to check you every season. Am I first still? I knew I was first when you were flipping burgers and making 250 an hour, that's easy. I'm saying, am I first now when you're making six figures? Am I? It's amazing, and I'm closing. It's an amazing story in Exodus chapter 28. In Moses' reign, the way that they made decisions is Aaron the high priest would go behind the veil on the Holy of Holies and he would put on a breastplate and they called this the breastplate for the making of decisions. It's very interesting. 
Basically, we need to understand that everything in the Old Testament was like basically a doll's house version of what Jesus was going to fulfill. So they were just kind of playing house, trying to make it. So really, this breastplate for the making of decisions was basically like a dollhouse version of the Holy Spirit and how he directs us in our day and age now. But just for the illustration, Aaron would put on the breastplate, and I'm gonna read in verse 29. It says, whenever Aaron enters the holy place, he will bear the names of the sons of Israel over his heart on the breastplate of decision as a continuing memorial before the Lord. So whenever they need to make a decision, do we fight or do we not? Do we go or do we stay? Aaron would put on the breastplate for the making of decisions. And when he did, he would go in the Holy of Holies and the Lord would light up two stones over his heart. The two stones were called Urim and Thummim. And it says, they would be over Aaron's heart. And whenever he enters the presence of the Lord, thus Aaron will always bear the means of making decisions for the Israelites over his heart before the Lord. So here's how it went. Lord, do we fight? Put on the breastplate. He prays. And what would happen is these stones would illuminate. And if the stones illuminated, they know, okay, this is the right decision. And woe be unto them if they ignored the breastplate for the making of decisions. Okay, so now we're in the New Testament. He's poured out his spirit on all flesh. God is speaking, he's moving. We go into the Holy of Holies. We go into our homes and we ask, Lord, what should I do in this area of my life? And, and here's how I've learned how you can hear from the Lord. If it grows, it's God. If it shrinks, it's not. It, here I am, Lord, I just, I just come to you today. Speak to me through people, through your word, through my pastor, Speak to me and you'll just see a decision will start to shine in your life. So I talk about giving and I talk about finances and all that. I'm not asking you to give anything. Pastor Joel didn't bring me here to ask you to give. I'm asking you to go to the place for the making of decisions. And I'm asking you, and here's what's so cool. God will tell you what to do. It's so amazing. For me, I'm just gonna give you my personal testimony. I was 21 years old. I made not much money. And my pastor started talking about tithing. And I'm like, here we go. And I remember I drove, what y'all know about a 1997 Nissan 200SX coupe, black. I bought it for $7,000, hello. I was in my coupe and I remember I was like, okay, I'm gonna pray. This isn't the Holy of Holies, but I'm in my Nissan. And I remember I pulled up to a red light and I said, okay, God, am I gonna give tithe? Am I gonna give gross of the tithe, net of the tithe? And I was like, I was nickel and diming the Lord. And I remember I prayed and the moment my eyelids shut at this simultaneously, the Holy Spirit came and he said, give big. And I was like, I freaking knew you would say that. I knew this was gonna freaking happen. <laughs> so from that point on, 21 years old, I started to give gross. If I made $1,000, God got 100 before tax. If, if I made 500, you know, the Lord got 50. If I made 100, the Lord got 10. No questions asked. This is yours. Actually, the Bible says that the tithe is the Lord's and if you don't give him the tithe, you're stealing from God. Think about that. 
So I'm like, ah. So I, so I started to do that. 13 years later, our daughter, Georgia, she's in the womb. The doctors noticed that there's a tumor in her mouth. And because of that tumor, <clears throat> she was born at 33 weeks. She was four pounds. They had to cut the tumor out and she was in the NICU for seven months. When she got out of there, she had a home health nursing that had to be there every single night from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. G-tube, trach, surgeries. She had to be life flighted a couple of times. Do you know how much Georgia cost us? I remember the bill. Four million dollars. Four million. Just being in the NICU was $22,000 a day. I see four million and I'm like, I'm like, category five hurricane, like, I'm, I'm, I'm devastated. But then I read further and it says, what you owe. And I had no idea that our insurance, like my pastor had made a decision, you're gonna get this insurance. He said, because if we take care of our people, God will take care of us. Now hold on, I didn't know this. What I owed of the four million was $1,000. Hold, hold on, hold on. And when I looked at it, you know what God did? This, this is so powerful. He put me in a time machine. I was 34. He bought me in a time machine all the way back to a 21-year-old in a beat-up old Nissan car. And the Lord spoke to me like a lightning bolt from heaven. And he said, I rebuke the devourer for your sake. Come on, listen to me. I, I, I literally, I didn't know that I would need that miracle, but you know what God did? God did. And you're saying, oh, well, would, would your daughter, would you have had to pay the bill? I don't know, but I don't wanna know. Right? I, I don't want to know. And you don't know what you need. See, you know, sometimes your needs are not always financial. Sometimes your needs are a relationship. Sometimes your needs are a break. You don't know what your needs are, but God does. And when you put him first in your life, what happens is there's a hedge of protection over your life. There's a peace on your life. You know, you don't know. The Bible says that when you give, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, it, it, it's kind of like the rain. It goes down and it, it, it kind of goes here and goes there in a drought. You don't know what cracks it's going to go into. You don't know where it goes, but but, but God knows where it goes and he's using it all. And so sometimes when we give, we just say, well, what's that really going to? I believe that when we go to heaven, when we give to a place like Oaks, when we invest our lives financially with our time, talent, and treasure, what happens is we're gonna be in heaven and there's gonna be great, great, great grandchildren that you'll never meet, but this church will be here because the church will outlast your life. And the great, great grandchildren will come to Oaks and you were given in 2023, God just, and you were given in 2023 and then you die later and you're gonna be in heaven and that great, great grandchild is gonna be like, tap you on the shoulder in heaven. I think about this often. And they're gonna tap you on the shoulder. Hey, is your name so-and-so? Yes. I wanna thank you for giving to Oaks Church. You died before I got there but because you gave and you made sure that there was a vessel, I got saved. And as a result of me being saved, you don't know this, but 
And see, what happens is we get caught in the here and now. God, I want this. Give me my miracle. And God thinks in terms of generations. And so when you give to the Lord, it doesn't go in the toilet. When you give to the Lord, when you give to God, it lives forever. But if this is like dentistry to you, oh, I can't, then don't give. Like giving doesn't happen like, like this. <laughs> giving happens like this. For all that you've done. This, this is, I don't, I don't care about that house. I don't care about that stuff. Lord, I care about you moving. See, this is an open vessel. But what happens is we get so discouraged. Oh, I can't do the full 10%. Okay, well, let's just start. And this, is, this has been a tool that I use with my church and Pastor Joel and I have talked about it. It's called the Give It, the Generosity Ladder. And so maybe today you need to step on and up. It's not a big deal. And so like what I help people is, is so if you haven't even stepped on the generosity, you just be an initial giver. What I would say is you step on and up. So I've never given before. I would just say, I call it being a professional tipper. 20 bucks. Okay, Lord, I, I trust you. Here we go. So whatever it is, doesn't matter the amount, just say, Lord, I just, I just do this. And then that's it. You know, maybe when you pray, the next step for you is to be a consistent giver, which is every time the doors of the church are open, every time I come to church, I give 30 bucks, 50 bucks. Well, it doesn't, the amount doesn't matter. You just say, Lord, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a vessel for you in this area of my life. I'm gonna try to put you first. Maybe you're already doing that and you need to step up to the next rung, which is an intentional giver, which is a percentage, 5%, 8%, 2%, whatever that is, just start giving that percentage. And then of course, the next rung, if you're already doing that, then you need to step up to be a surrendered giver, which is the full 10%, which is of course his. It's his. Come on, it's his. It's his. I don't hold anybody to a standard that I don't do. It's his, period. And then of course, beyond that, actually this is where generosity begins, which is the rung beyond the 10%, which is being an extravagant giver. This is being an offering. People say, can I just give to this parachurch thing over here after the tithe, of course. Don't give your tithe. The tithe is your local storehouse. This is the house where your kids are getting fed, where your young people are getting fed, where you're getting fed. This is your local store. So the tithe goes to your storehouse. Anything above and beyond that you wanna do, I know Pastor Joel has visions in his heart. As long as you're being a, a vision vessel, you just say, Lord, keep pouring. And here's what I've learned that happens. When you start praying those prayers, you get miracles in your workplace. You get miracles in your business because God knows that you are a worthy vessel that he can move through. See, your finances, they come to and through your hand by the Lord. The blessing comes to and through you. And so it's just a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And I love what Pastor Joel said, even at the end of this, he just said, hey, maybe, maybe you're not even there yet at all. Maybe you need to step on and up in your, in your serving. Step on and up in your commitment to God's house. Step on and up through your talents. I don't know what it is but God is looking to and fro. He's pouring his spirit. Are you open? And so Father, in Jesus' name, every person in this room, Lord, you know what needs to be done. You have a plan for them. You have a job for them to do. 
And Lord, I know that you're so kind, you're so gracious, you're so incredible, you're so amazing. You're so merciful. You are the prodigal God, which means you go above and beyond all that we could ever ask, think, or imagine. And here you are, you're in this room right now. And I thank you that decisions we have to make concerning what we're going to do in your house and through your house, we need to make those decisions. And Holy Spirit, you are gracious. Holy Spirit, you are a genius. And I thank you that you will illumine to every person in this room what they need to do next. And I thank you that just as you illumine to a 21-year-old, you can illumine to anybody at any age exactly what they need to do. And I thank you, Lord, that as long as we, what did, what did Mary tell the servants? Whatever Jesus says to do, do it. And my encouragement for you is this, whatever Jesus asks you to do, don't be, don't be afraid, don't be scared, do it and the miracles and the vision will continue to pour in your life. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.